I, it seems like since the pandemic started, I'm not going to say it's outed more people for being very ignorant and considerate. Uh, but it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good possibility of that. Um, and I'm not going to get into a political standpoint because I hate politics. But um, it definitely outed a lot of people and their views of a lot of things. So, which is unfortunate because, you know, I have been, you know, you guys are talking about conformists and, you know, customers will literally come in and be like, I'm not following your Nazi rules. Uh, it's my God-given right not to wear a mask and I refuse to. And I don't care what you think. And, you know, it, it is what it is. You can't force people to do anything they don't want to do. But it's just common courtesy. Like, there's no reason to go in there if you're sick and get somebody else sick. I had a customer come in a couple of weeks ago who I knew for a fact that her and her whole family had COVID at that time, but she just walked in without a mask on, was coughing everybody, and she just didn't give a shit. And it was ridiculous. Like some people are just ignorant. Well, this you're the store that you work in, the store that you work in, Amanda. Uh, I don't know how people ever thought the idea that simply because someone worked at a store that they became uh, entitled to be the object of someone's scorn and derision. And actually, uh, the places are open for business. They're open to sell things. However, they don't have to sell anything to anyone. No, they definitely don't. Uh, one of my favorite, well, not my favorite, but one of the, the dumb funny things I heard was, so in the height of the pandemic, uh, this lady came in and said, well, Donald Trump said that you guys are going to have it in your store. I was like, if we can't get it, we can't get it. Like, I'm sorry that you think Donald Trump's going to, like, magically have an item up here at the store. That's not how that works. It's all about what they have in stock at the warehouse. So if they don't have it, then we're not getting it. Like, sorry, but that's just the way it is. Because everybody's affected by it. Like, if you're going to get something from a butcher from a different place, if they don't have employees, you're not going to get it. Or if there's people who work in produce that aren't going to get the product in the store, then you're not going to get it. It's just the way it is. Like, don't think that you're entitled to something when it's not available for you to have. <laughs> it's, it's, I've heard some really screwed up stuff in a two-year period of time. So, Amanda, tell us some of the unreasonable requests that you have made or people who have these beliefs in their head uh, we call it delusional thinking in my world. That's holding on to firm, fixed beliefs despite solid evidence to the contrary. I think the most shocking thing I kept hearing was that we should be open, that we should be in the store waiting on the customers and for them. And I think like that was the most craziest. And I, and I heard it multiple times, like on the phone, as I'm taking calls um, and to hear that somebody like, I totally had so much respect for all the essential workers, grocery store workers, everything. I did the best I could when I went to a store, you know, everything else. So I tried to take care of everybody else, but for them to hear, hear them say like, we think you should put in our, yourself in arm's way because I can't Google a solution. Like, that to me it was like crazy. Like you literally, the answer was on the internet. You didn't even have to call me and wait for an hour 
or a technician, you could have Googled the answer. And now you're telling me that I should be putting myself at risk. My father at the time who was, um, who is elderly and, you know, immune compromised, I should put him at risk. I should do all these things just so you could not, so you could learn how to upgrade your phone to a new operating system, things like that, that like, to hear that was just absolutely outstanding to me. And that wasn't the only one. I mean, sometimes there was comedic moments where like customers would be like, so tell the truth. Are you in your pajamas right now? <laughs> and and of course I'd answer. I'd be like, yeah, I have my pajamas on right now. And my cat is next to me. Like, I'm not going to lie, man. It's like 9 a.m. in the morning in Pittsburgh and I'm answering calls. Of course I'm in my pajamas. Um, but other times it was just absolutely like, you should be open. You should be able to do this. Like, I don't understand why if my phone is broken, I can't get it fixed right now. Like this is, and it, it just, it was carrying on like that for months. Well, folks, we live in a world where we're seem to be programmed that we shouldn't have any discomfort in our lives at all. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, Definitely. absolutely. So uh, this is a question for both of you. You can answer one at a time. Uh, were you given any instructions or leeway into ending a conversation or a call or walking away from someone or a manager when they became abusive? Yes. I had managers I could transfer to, but every so often the customer would not let you. They wanted you to hear what they had to say. Um, and even sometimes I would just put them on hold and transfer them over that actually negatively frowned on me. Um, there had been multiple times that I had been giving, uh, you know, feedback that that was not right for me to just say, hold on, please. And transfer. Um, um, even when I picked up the phone and immediately it was like yelling on the other end. Um, I, moments like that, we did have some direction. We never hung up on a customer. Like even there are stories that are really, really bad that I don't want to say on the air. And I still never hung up on them and I still didn't transfer. No matter how, no matter how foul and threatening the conversation became. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was one particular that that was my final straw that I, I literally probably, that was like the acceleration into what I, feel was a mental breakdown on my end was um, it was so bad that it was 35 minutes of him berating me. And there was some um, sexual tones used and things like that. And very degrading, very dehumanizing. And I, at the end of the conversation, just said, okay, I sent you the information. Have a good day. And like, that was it. I just, I had no other words. I couldn't put them on hold. I couldn't do anything. I just sat there frozen. Amanda, we often suggest, and this is, these words are always easy to say, to not let the foul deeds of others stain your clothing. Um, however, uh, that's not realistic. Not when you have also going on the same time political uprising and uh, a speeding pandemic and economic upheaval in your home. Like all that combined with a, a person telling you that, like at that point, 
you can't, you, everything is affecting you. I think. Well, you still had to put food on your table. You still had to put gas in your car. So Ronnie, uh, you more being on the front lines, was there any guidelines? Was there any backup from management telling customers that, uh, that that type of behavior wasn't acceptable or permitted, permitted in the store? I became notoriously, uh, unable to handle at one point. So uh, I had customers yelling at me all the time, like in my face about not having things. And um, I've had customers yelling in my face, telling me the pandemic wasn't real and that I was full of shit, that I never had it, that I just had the flu and literally just yelling in my face, telling me that I was just wrong. I was always wrong no matter what I said, no matter what I did. And, uh, Unfortunately, sometimes uh, the office doesn't uh, really back their employees as much as they should, because really it was all about, hey, we're making money during the pandemic. Like, that's all we really care about. And, you know, that's that's just how it was at our location. And you just had to accept it and just move on. But, man, if I could tell some stories about some of the dumbest crap I've had to deal with, it was ridiculous. But, uh I think after I got it and after COVID took my dad, I was just like, I'm done. Like, uh-huh. I don't give a shit about anybody or anything at this point. So I was just like, I don't care. Like you can say whatever you want to me. I'm going to say whatever I want to you back. And if I get fired, so be it. And uh, I got away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, well, and I probably shouldn't have. Our regrets but, on the passing of your father, Ronnie. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hmm. So this, this struck very close home to you. This, this, yeah. this became personal. Oh, it did. Um, it just seemed like one thing after another these past two years. And uh, I just had to deal with it. I had no other option, mm-hmm. but just to deal with what this is, what life has become for now. And there was nothing I can do about it other than just take one on the chin and just deal with it. Well, I'm glad that uh, you shared that with everyone and uh, you know years ago mr rogers was asked about situations like this when things were going uh very bad and he would uh, tell the children to look for the helpers there's always helpers was there a helper in your life amanda uh definitely i had a lot of friends um that came through um just to be ears to bend um had one work friend who we literally say we got through COVID together because once a week or once every other day, we were like, Hey, you okay? Hey, want to chat? Um, and the fact that he was also working the same front lines I was like, we were able to lean on one another. Um, my boyfriend, obviously every day dinner was on the table. Um, cause he was unfortunately shut down as a server so he had to be home. So dinner was on the table. Lunch was cooked. Um, and then I had a cat oh, support animal. Oh, so, yes. Well, that's one of the reasons why there's so little cat food out there. So many people got cats. And actually, I would write a prescription for people to, to get cats during the pandemic, just so there was another being in in the house. So you had some support. Uh, how about uh, how about you, Ronnie? How about the helpers in your life? Um, a lot of my friends helped me through everything. 
my one friend Kayla, for example, helped me through a lot of things. Um, she was there when my dad died. Um, she was there through when I got uh, COVID. And just, I have so many really good friends that helped me through it. And uh, that was the best part about having a big extended family in wrestling, too, because a lot of people helped everybody out and definitely helped me out. And yeah, I wouldn't be able to make it if it wasn't for my friends and family. Uh, it, yes. was, it was bad. So what we do, guys, is what we do is we help people figure out what's important. And we talk about relationships. And sometimes I'll ask people, uh, who do you trust so much in your life that if they said fall, I'll catch you, you'd fall without hesitation because that's how much you trust that person. Is there someone like that in your life, Amanda? I would say uh Yes, um, definitely my spouse, my boyfriend, um, definitely. He's been there for nine years, um, and I think he would definitely be there for me, um, absolutely. And I think after this, my my work friend, he would absolutely be there. He's been there no matter what. Anytime I text, anytime I call, middle of the night, he was there. So definitely those two. And yourself, Ronnie? Uh, my family, they help me out through a lot. Uh, I have a really good friend that helps me a lot, a lot too. She's really great. And uh, I have a lot of support during the whole process. And I'm just so grateful to have everybody. We're usually not true friends until we've suffered together. Would uh, Would you say that that's true, Amanda? Um, Absolutely. Uh, definitely. I, I think like that shows a lot of true colors because I had a lot of friends where I had to walk away over this, um, that they showed some true colors that I didn't like. And so I couldn't associate myself with them anymore. Um, so I feel like once you, once you've been through a really, really tough time with a person, then, then you see a real side. Absolutely. And you, Ronnie? I agree with Amanda. Same thing. Uh, I've walked away from a lot of friendships over the past two years. A lot of toxic people. And uh, the, the really good friends are what kept me going. And that's all that matters. Well, sometimes what I'll ask people to give the requirements that it takes to be with them as a friend or and or romantic interest. Because I believe that that's what creates values, choices, and non-negotiables. and I think that you both through this situation, you could be resentful, you could be bitter, you could be angry. Uh, however, uh, what tell us some of the things that pushed you through to the other side. We have a we have a saying, and I'm, I'm in long term recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. I'm in a twelve step world, and there's a Pollyannish type of statement that says God doesn't close one door without opening in another, but it can be hell in the hallway. Uh, so life is a lot about dealing in the, in the hallway. Did you feel like you were in the hallway, Amanda? Um, at the, when September of 2020, absolutely. Um, August is when I started to get sick and it just was all the stress made me physically ill. Um, and when it began that I couldn't, I, I was calling off almost every single day 
and the doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. And I basically forced myself to take the leave of absence. But that the month of August was probably the hallway. Definitely. And it's easy to deal with the diamond days. The stone days are the days where we use our skills and we deal with that's that's what defines us. How about uh, you, Ronnie? I would probably suspect you had a long extended stay in the hallway. I'm still in the hallway. <laughs> um, it started the end of August of last year, and then I got COVID in October, which put me in the hospital and almost killed me. So that was fun. Oh, boy. Yeah, it just was one shit show after another. I swear a lot, guys. I'm sorry. Um, and, yeah, I just never got out. And the only thing that kept me going was friends and the idea of booking a vacation to Florida is the only thing that kept me going. And just to give myself something to focus on and to get to that point and know that there is that light at the end of the tunnel, there's something I have something to look forward to. And that was a vacation I really needed. Well, did it help you both to figure out what's important in life, dealing with all this adversity, all these nasty, entitled human beings? Absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to say I hate humanity, but it's uh, about 85% of hating humanity at this point. Well, Ronnie, could you tell us some of the good people that you dealt with? Could you tell us some of the people who thank you, who said, man, you're a, you, you have a tough job. I'm glad you're here. Uh, nobody. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Okay. How about you, Amanda? Um, like customer wise, I had a few. Um, I, I had a few that were like, I had a gentleman who was, uh, he, he was older in age and he had failing memory. Um, so you had to stay and repeat yourself a few times with him for like a good hour. I was with him. Um, and at the end, he was very appreciative that I was even there. And all I did was answer like four questions. But he come to find out like throughout the conversation, he was in a nursing home and didn't have anybody to talk to. Uh, so I, I there were moments like that where customers could be like, Thank goodness you're at least around for me to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I did remind like my coworkers of that. I'm like, guys, like I'm getting calls from nursing homes and these people don't have anybody to talk to. No. Like, and this is it. Like we're it. Like, so yeah, we may answer a question that's silly and stupid and we could roll our eyes about it and be like, come like, this is what I'm getting paid for to do. But yet that person didn't talk to anybody all day. Okay. So there were instances like that where customers were appreciative. Were you able to take your work hat off when you left Amanda? Uh, yes, we, um, yes. And then when I, near the end, when I got sick was when I officially started to check out. There were full days I didn't pick up a piece of technology. I read books and I um, went for hikes by myself. I went camping by myself. I didn't associate with any another human being for sometimes days. Okay. So, Ronnie, uh, were you able to take your hat off when you left work and leave it there? Yeah. 
I was. Okay. Um, when I clocked out, that was it. I didn't socialize with anybody from work outside of work. I still don't. Um, you know, I'm easy to deal with with my coworkers when I see them. Uh, a lot of them I consider work friends, not outside friends. Right. But we keep each other entertained, and we keep each other going. Well, we have we have acquaintances. We have what I call friends of commonality that as long as we're sharing some type of a common interest, common workplace, whatever we're doing, uh, we're friends. But uh, when that commonality ends through no animosity or ill will, we go our separate ways. And then there's and then there's bonded uh, life companions. And I hope you have some of those. So uh, in the 12 step world, we have a very nice saying that when somebody behaves like that or off behavior, obnoxious behavior, we will say there, but for the grace of God, go I, which is really kind of a really nice term for saying it sucks to be you. Did you ever feel that way, Ronnie? Yes. Yeah, I definitely have. Yes. Yes. So let's, let's imagine that this is 30 years in the future. Maybe you'll have grandchildren, maybe you won't, or maybe somebody will come up to you uh, in fourth or fifth, sixth grade, and they need to interview someone that lived through the pandemic. Uh, Ronnie, what would you have to say to them? How would you have to, what would you, how would you describe it? How would you describe how things went for you? Um, actually I have a niece that is in fourth grade right now and she is actually doing pretty good about the pandemic. She doesn't remember the pandemic before. So basically, she's used to this. She's used to wearing masks and everything. And you always have to explain to her, like, it's not going to be like this forever. Don't get used to this. You know, in a couple of years from now, everything's going to go back to semi-normal. And, like, I'll tell these young kids, I'm like, hey, like, it was just a blip in the system. It's like, that's, all, that's all it was. You know, you're going to live through this for two, three years, and then it's going to be like it never happened. Okay. How about you, Amanda? If someone came and wanted to interview you 25 years from now and say, hey, could you tell me what it was like uh, during that time? What would you say? It was my moment of self-discovery. Like uh, that it was a, really a crash and a fall, like a fall and a crash. And then um, I learned who I was and who I wanted to be. Ah, so you had some healthy introspection. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Did you come to some type of a life-defining moment? Uh, did you decide, have you made any changes in your life? Have you changed your perspective on things, Amanda? Absolutely. I don't dwell about the future anymore, or I don't dwell about the past. I also don't get high anxiety when I have to make a decision uh, anymore. Um, it used to be like a decision would come down like, Oh, a job opportunity or like, um, you know, uh, like anything, like <laughs> you have to do this this week. Um, <laughs> and I would have such high anxiety and I would go like, it would be torture on me. But I think since I've taken a step back in this whole thing. I've been more like, 
yeah, I'm, you know, excuse my French. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to figure it out on the other side. <laughs> like kind of thing. Like I, I can't be afraid anymore. It, it basically taught me that yes, life is too short and you can't sit there and hide anymore. So every opportunity, every moment to do something, I do it now. Well, like I don't hesitate. Well, that's one of the precepts, perceptions we try to put across on this show that the most precious thing that people have in their lives are their time, the most precious asset they have, and they have a finite amount of it, and you get to choose how to spend, how to use it. So some of these tattoos, this one says, I choose on it, uh, and the I choice, I choose words are the two most powerful words you have in your life. So how do you believe that uh, your ability to be adaptable and flexible, Ronnie, allowed you to come out of this thing and perhaps have another perspective of your life. Um, it was definitely, I'm not going to say game-changing, but it definitely changed my life to where I've learned how to deal with, how to deal with my anxiety. Uh, I take Lexapro to help me get through my anxiety issues. Sure. But now I still take it, but now I don't like when I said, I don't get stressed out about anything anymore. Uh, you know, you get one life, live it to the fullest and just don't stress out about anything. Cause what's the point of stressing out about anything? Like, there's, there's just no point to it. You just got to enjoy yourself. Even if it's the little things you set minor goals and you get there and you enjoy yourself in the process and you just do what you have to do to get by. Especially. I had an old friend of mine in the 12-step world. He passed away a few years ago. His best man I ever met in my life often told me, he said, Jim, if it doesn't affect your breathing, it's not that important. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that you two have uh, nicely adapted that philosophy. And quite often what we'll talk to is have people add positives to their life. Most people bring home the negatives. And sometimes what I'll say is uh, I'll ask you both this question. Have you ever turned the key in your car and it has not started, Amanda? Oh, uh, more times than I can count. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> um, helpless. Yeah. How and uh, how do, how can I use my resources? <laughs> Those were the second thoughts is I'm helpless, <laughs> but I have A, B, and C in front of me. What can I do about it? How about you, Ronnie? I've been there. I've <laughs> been there, done that. And uh, luckily, I had somebody with me when it happened. Yes. Okay. So how many times have you both turned the key in the car and the car started and you never thought a thing about it? Every you, day. You never say, wow, that's a plus. Yeah, every day. <laughs> so if we actually, all this mindfulness is not about sitting on a satin pillow over in Thailand in uh, crimson and saffron robes going um all day surrounded by 10,000 candles. It's paying attention on purpose. So what I'm hearing you both saying that you experienced all these negative things, which led you to believe to open your eyes up and actually see the positives be adaptable and flexible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would either of you have come to this type of realization should you have not gone through uh, the 
I, I'm going to call it times of trouble. Um, I'm a slow learner sometimes, so probably not. But now it just completely opened my eyes, and I'm a completely different person than I was two years ago. How about you, Amanda? I agree. I think uh, the the moment of the hallway was just absolutely eye-opening to start to count my positives and my gratitude. Right, right. So do you two hold any animosity or ill will toward the entitled people? I guess the media has dubbed them Karens that uh, deal with life the way that they do. Have, have you ever, have you two been able to shed that? I mostly started to feel bad for them. Like I feel bad that they're either uneducated or that they're so closed minded that they only see their way. Um, I, uh, and uneducated that not just book smart, but street smart. I mean, like, I think you learn acceptance through the streets and like how you're brought up and where you went to college and things like that. And I, I feel bad for those people that they're going to never experience the amazingness of other people because they're just going to ruin so much of their lives that they're not going to, they're really going to be alone. Really they are. Um, And, and then I'm educated. Like I, I watch it all the time and I'm like, do people not remember history class? Do they not remember, like, did they not remember civics class or any of these things that were taught to us that it just seems like social media, the internet has brainwashed them away from what a textbook taught. That's a, uh, that's a good term. How about you, Ronnie? Uh, I 100% agree with Amanda. Um, it's it's a shame that this is how people act now. Uh, I do feel bad for them at the same time. Uh, if they want to be ignorant, you, you go ahead and just do what makes you happy. Whatever floats your boat, uh, just stay out of my lane. Yes, no one has a right to inconvenience others. So in Appendix 2 in uh, the 12-step book, there's a quote by a guy by the name of Herbert Spencer. And to paraphrase it, it says, there's a principle which will hold a person in everlasting ignorance, and that principle is contempt prior to investigation. Would you agree with that, Amanda? Yes. Yes. So the Dalai Lama often said, question everything. And uh, I believe that that's the truth. However, uh, Ronnie, uh, I've heard a, I heard a, I saw a t-shirt and it said, science is like magic, only it's real. What would you have to say to that? <laughs> I agree with that. 100%. Yes. Okay. So what did you, although we're not all the way out of this yet, and I don't believe that this whole thing uh, has yet to be really filtered out and shaken out, but uh, there's a, there's a German term called zeitgeist, which is a mood and temper of the time. So uh, I'll start with you, Ronnie. What do you think the zeitgeist, the mood and temperament of the last two years would be described as a hundred years from now? 
shit show. Yeah. Straight up shit show. Uh, people are going to look back at this and be like, man, what the hell happened? And why was everybody so inconsiderate and miserable? And why couldn't we all come together as a nation, as one, and be like, hey, we're all here for each other. But unfortunately, that's not how this country works with some people. And everybody's divided, and everybody wants, some people want to be dicks, and other people want to be helpful. Yeah, I don't know when we all stop. I don't know when we all stop playing for the same team. Not sure. Uh, How would you describe the zeit? What do you think a hundred years from now the zeitgeist of the country is going to be described as during this time, Amanda? What the hell was that? Like, I think it's going, and I, I think we're already viewed that way um, by other countries. Um, it just being like, what happened? Because it, it is going to be a blip on our radar. Like in the grand scheme of our lives, like it'll be a, a blip of two, three years where we're like, and I think honestly, like when I'm in my 60s and 70s, I'll probably look back and that's only 30 years from now. And I'm going to be like, what the hell was that? Like what happened in those few years that everything just went off the rails? Well, I hope that both of you remain adaptable and flexible. I, my mother was a child of the depression and grew up. And I remember helping her move one time uh, where she'd lived for a long time. And I went into her pantry and it was stocked full of food and canned goods. Some of the cans had been in there for so long, guys, that they had actually rusted and were oozing out onto the shelf. And she explained, and she explained that was during the Depression, we were often hungry, and I didn't want to ever be hungry again. I don't know how that's going to shape people's viewpoints of the world. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Ronnie? Do you think this is going to reshape people's view of the world and each other? Uh, I sure hope so. I hope when this is all said and done that everybody understands that we all have to come together. Yes. Yes. And we believe that we are our brother's keeper. Absolutely. How about you, Amanda? Um, absolutely. Yes, I, I agree. I would hope that they, it, everybody changes their thoughts <laughs> after this. So if there's a message, uh, Ronnie, that you'd like to leave with uh, the Fishing Without Bait audience, perhaps for people that could commiserate with both of your stories, what would that message be? Uh, don't be a dick. <laughs> I think that ought to be the title to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Amanda? Be nice to everyone, and if you're struggling, breathe. It'll mm. be okay. I like that. There's a there's a quotation, and I'm just full of quotations. It says, if you have a choice between being right and being kind, choose kind, and you'll be right every time. Absolutely. So you both have been absolutely delightful, and I think I'd like to maybe – revisit this subject in another six or seven months uh, to find out uh, how you both are getting along and how you both are dealing with uh, life situations, hopefully uh, post-pandemic. We do have some uh, parting gifts, which 
uh, Mike's going to give to you. And uh, folks, at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Stay. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.